Welcome to Success Leaves Clues Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Brackett, and I've been blessed enough in my life to meet individuals who've been able to leave me clues on my journey to success. The goal of this show is to bring you the experience of those who have achieved great things and allow you to be a fly in the wall, soaking up clues for your own journey to success. Let's get right into this week's episode. Hey, this is Gary Brackett, and welcome to another episode of Success Leaves Clues. I'm honored this week to have one of my first political um, candidates in the office, a good friend, um, known this gentleman for a long time, and he has a very impressive resume. An undergrad from Stanford, as well as a master's degree, um, medical degree um, from Harvard University. He was one of the youngest Indiana commissioners in the state of Indiana, um, CEO at several major healthcare companies, as well as chief medical officer for Ford Motor Company, and also came back to our state, could have retired, but he wants to do something for the great state of Indiana and all the Hoosiers inside of our state. So he's running for the gubernatorial candidate from the Democratic Party. Welcome to the office, Dr. Woody Myers. Thank you. I am very honored to be here. Appreciate the invitation. Thank you. No problem, man. So um, I know you probably get this a lot, but um, for the new people watching, you know, they're, they're looking on a candidate. They're trying to figure out, like, who is Woody Myers? Well, uh, I am a Hoosier, for one thing. I'm right. third generation on one side, fourth on the other. Uh, born right here in Indianapolis. Uh, grew up uh, uh, at the Martindale-Brightwood area, wow. 46218. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, went to uh, elementary school and high school here, graduated from Shortridge High School. Uh, and then uh, as a teenager, finished in high school, I said, I got to get out of Indiana for right. a while and try some other places. And uh, went out to California, came back uh, to uh, the East Coast to do my medical school, back to California to do internship and residency. And then I Gary decided that my specialty should be intensive care unit medicine because for me, that was where I could do the most good per unit time. Wow. Because that's where the sickest patients in the hospital were. And I thought, well, if I'm going to be in the hospital, might as well yeah. work on the uh, in the area where we could uh, get the most done. And, and uh, it was kind of, a, every day was a fight. You know, you're, you're trying to defeat death. You're trying to make people better. Uh, but over time, it became very clear that that a lot of the people that were coming into my ICU were people that shouldn't have been there. Mm. People that had disease processes or injuries that we could have prevented, should have prevented. Uh, people that were dying of lung cancer because they smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. Right. People that uh, had uh, strokes, uh, but what could have been treated, but because these are older people that live by themselves, uh, no one was checking on them, so they were on the floor for a week almost. And those are the kind of patients I kept seeing. Uh, and said, look, we have got to do better as a society. And that's why I ended up moving into more public health, the healthcare administration, healthcare management, so I could take care of more patients at once. And that led me into politics. Um, I've had many wonderful opportunities to serve uh, uh, in uh, positions of uh, leadership in Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, positions of leadership, as you said, in the Ford Motor Company, where I was chief medical officer at a time where Ford had plants and 38 countries around wow. the world because they own a bunch of the brands like Volvo, Aston Martin, Jaguar. They don't do that anymore, but at the time I was there, I got to visit 20 of those countries and I saw healthcare practiced in Czechoslovakia, in Brazil, in Japan, and in China, all of which was different, but the common theme was they were all trying to be as good as they thought the United States was. Mm. Uh, and they were making uh, uh, advances, but they were also making some of the same mistakes right. that we made in the U.S. And I really learned a lot from that experience. And I've used those 
uh, experiences now to say it's time for us to change our thinking about how we manage uh, all things uh, related to health in Indiana, but also how we manage our economy, how we manage our K-12 education. Uh, and so I'm the second physician running for governor. In the state. Wow. Doc Bowen did it uh, years and years ago, mm-hmm. Osar Bowen, who's a great, good man, great friend. Uh, uh, and I'm the first and only African-American candidate uh, who's uh, run for governor uh, in Indiana. And right now I'm the only African-American candidate running for governor in the United States. Wow. Uh, no, no others, uh, no other positions either of either party. Uh, but I know that uh, because of, uh, of wh- where we are in Indiana, the, the issues, and I'm sure we're going to talk about some of them, that we could do better. Right. Uh, if I didn't think that, that I had the skill set to bring to people of our state to, to help lift them up, to help do better in so many different areas, I wouldn't be doing this. I, I would be retired. So, right, right. Uh, and uh, in, enjoying uh, traditional retirement. But uh, I, I tried to get out there on the beach, Gary. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know that last at Arizona, man. It's the great I, weather out there. I was in Arizona for a while. I, 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 uh, Stacy and I went down on vacation down the Caribbean. Mm. Uh, and uh, I said, you know, there's too many mahi-mahi fish out here. Right, right. I can bring some of them in. I can bring a whole fish. She cooks up a mean mahi-mahi. Wow. And I was thinking that would be what I would do. And I said... No, there's just too many issues, too many problems. And, you know, I've got grandkids, Gary, uh, yeah. and, and my, set, my, my, uh, uh, my question was, why should my grandchildren and your children have to deal with the problems that my generation or, and your generation created or should have fixed? Right. Let them deal with new problems. Let, let us fix the problems uh, the, that we've had. And so that's what have motivated me to do this. Man, that's amazing. So we're going to talk about some of those problems today on, on the show. Um, I think the first problem, and I think we should address this because you brought it up first, African-American in the state of Indiana, um, only African-American, wonderful uh, gubernatorial candidate in the, the, the whole U.S., yes. which is, um, is, is really a shame, right? Because if you think of... The strides that we made as African-Americans, as blacks, to get where we are today, I mean, we're still not nearly close of closing, closing the gap in terms of racial inequality, in terms of police reform, in terms of, like, unfair justice. And just this year, we had an incident that really sparked a whole revolution in the George Floyd death. So as it pertains to... Um, let's first talk about police reform. Like, what are your thoughts on police reform? I know defund the police is a positive topic. So what are your thoughts about reallocating those funds? Mm-hmm. And what would you do as governor of Indiana? Well, uh, just on that first one, uh, I, I believe we should reprioritize the funding of the police, mm-hmm. uh, defund the police. And we should focus in on the things that we know will lead to a better criminal justice system. We need to reform our criminal justice system. So, for instance, the easy... Uh, the easy things to do, easy in the sense of we know that they work, we know that they help. Dashboard cameras, cameras on our officers, uh, gives a clear record of what what happened uh, in most cases. Now, right now, a lot of the incidents that we are looking at and that have sparked uh, uh, the concerns that we've seen nationwide is because somebody happened to have a cell phone. Yeah. Somebody happened to knew how to push the video button and somebody was willing to take that video and, then, and circulate it. Think of all the different incidents and cases that could have possibly been filmed that weren't, mm-hmm. uh, where we could have improved on what happened between the officer and the individual. That's why I think it's very important to have a record of what, what goes on in all circumstances and be able to use that to teach our officers to, and to show the public 
that there is responsibility in all situations, not just the times when somebody has a camera. I also think that it's time for us to have better oversight. When, when, when an incident has occurred, uh, you, you want an outside group to take a look at what happened and make the decision as to whether the officer was right or wrong, that the, 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 the incident deserves more scrutiny or, or it's, it was handled properly. It, it's, not up for, it's not up to me to say, because that's not my, my, uh, my uh, expertise, but there are people who are really smart about these things. And so an independent committee. Independent oversight right. of what goes on, and, and so that we can have confidence. Right. Uh, uh, we, we know that uh, things happen, and sometimes the, it's like the, 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 I don't want to say fox garden hen house, but right, right. it's clearly... People have conflict of interest, uh, and they, they, we need to have independent people to look over the systems. Uh, and then I think we also need to change some of our laws, uh, 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 Gary. I, I think it's time in Indiana uh, for us to decriminalize the simple possession of cannabis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also time for us to legalize medical uh, marijuana in Indiana. Uh, I, I, I don't think that, uh, and, and because I am a physician, because I do follow this regularly, I don't think Indiana's ready yet for recreational. Right. I think we take one big step if we decriminalize and we put medical in place because the research that's being done today tells me that we have a bit of an issue on some of these, the, the, the new plants that are just very, very high in their THC content. And, you know, you've got kids, I've got grandkids, a 16-year-old brain is not the place to try out right. new, very high potency. Uh, and so I just, I think we ought to wait a little bit on that and see how the FDA and other uh, academic centers are, are learning about ways to dose and regulate uh, and learn, learn from that. And then uh, if a year or two we, we can use that information, we can then move it into place. So a few things, I'm gonna go back into the police uh, reform, because sure. I think, um, one, um, we know that all police officers aren't bad, and some of them, um, sometimes they made decisions that was the right decision at that time. Um, however, I think there has been several incidences when there were cameras present that somehow malfunctioned or did not record the information. And I think the biggest issue has been that, you know, um, as it pertains to African-Americans, that footage is lost, stolen, doesn't exist, and the trust for the police officers isn't there. So what could be done in terms of what law regulation, if that film was tampered with, like what should be done to the officer? Because it feels like, you know, they take care of their own, why that independent, you know, committee is so important. But but what do you think in in those instances? As I understand it, Gary, and again, this is not, I'm not 100% expert, in it, but there are ways to uh, make sure that that footage exists in the cloud mm-hmm. as opposed to in somebody's server and then get access to it uh, appropriately. Uh, and so there are technologic solutions available so that right. that uh, that, if that kind of thing, the camera wasn't turned on, somebody that doesn't happen anymore. Right. Uh, in, in addition, though, I, I think it's important to change the training of our law enforcement mm. officers. There's, there's a whole field now called implicit bias training. Right. It means that that people don't recognize sometimes when they're treating certain people differently and or they believe they should treat certain people differently and it's just wrong. And we have to make sure that those who are paid to serve the public, uh, especially in law enforcement, know that that happens and that they can avoid it happening and that and that uh, they can be trained in order to prevent it from, from happening. So I think that's gonna be an important component 
uh, as well. And I think that there are some officers that just shouldn't be officers. Right. We have to have better screening mechanisms, mm-hmm. personality assessments, because there's some people that uh, didn't do well in, in early in their lives and they want to take it out on other people once right. they get a gun in their holster. We, and, and that's not the majority of officers, but that's no. unfortunately too many. Right. Uh, so, so many of these officers that, that do have a bear behavior have a track record of having done that right. before. It's not their first time. And so that's the kind of thing that we have to pay much more attention to. And, and I think that the, the, all of these uh, changes taken together will produce a better product, will produce uh, a, a group of officers in which the community has much more trust. Right. Uh, and where you and I are feeling uh, much better about our our 16-year-old sons, especially, daughters, yeah, no sons, question. especially, uh, getting out there driving. I know my stepson has been uh, stopped uh, way more times than he that was justified. Yeah, no, uh, as have I. <laughs> so, and, and so all of us who are who are, are black in America today know what uh, the whole phenomenon of driving while black. Yeah, no uh, question. Is, is, is a real issue. A lot of people don't understand that, but it is a real issue. Uh, and it just needs to be addressed differently than what we've done before. All right, that's awesome. So uh, touch on real quick, the um, medical marijuana. Uh, we know um, <clears throat> our uh, neighboring states, uh, I think both Michigan and Chicago, has both um, mm-hmm. passed uh, the possession of uh, recreational marijuana. So what, what would you say to those that look at the, the economic impact, right? Um, coming out of this COVID-19 pandemic, like um, obviously who knows financially what position we'll be in after this is all said and done, but I think there's going to be a need to want to raise some sort of resources for the state of Indiana. So what do you say to those people that are looking like, hey, look, the, the, the recreation of marijuana will bring the state like additional funds? Well, the first thing I would say is that Indiana is in a great position to grow the product. Mm. Uh, hemp uh, and, uh, and cannabis are both uh, 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 grown better in Indiana than virtually any other state. Right. Agricultural experts are telling me that any place you grow corn well, is a great place to grow hemp because of the of the similar requirements. Mm-hmm. So, first, uh, I I know that uh, there are many farmers here looking for different opportunities to grow products, and so that's one of the things that I would say yes, right. uh, because that'll bring more revenues in, into the state. But with respect to the issue of of what do you do first, I think decriminalization uh, and medical are, are a great place for us to start, mm-hmm. and, and I think that. We learn from how other states have done it. We, so we don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's like right, right. two years to put a system in place. We can copy right, right. systems that have taken that have been done successfully in other states. And let's get a good experience with it before we take uh, the irreversible step, I think, of, of recreational. And again, I think that, that the, my issue with recreational is more one of uh, there's still some safety questions that are outstanding. A lot of people say, no, marijuana doesn't hurt you. Marijuana, people... They're not exactly right. Uh, right. It, it depends on a number of things. In fact, if you uh, if you're in my profession, if you're a physician, you read the studies that have shown that, especially the edibles. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, the, when Colorado legalized their marijuana, m- moms were leaving their gummy bear edibles out, and kids were you know any re- self-respecting eight year old know where, knows where mommy hides the gummy bears, right? Right. Uh, and they were get, going into the emergency room because they were overdosing and. And people say, well, you're not supposed to get it until you're 21. Well, you and I both know right. that any, any 16-year-old in Indiana or 17-year-old, they really want to get a beer. Uh, they can, they can uh, figure they, it out. They will get a beer. Yeah, right? yeah. We know that that happens. And it'll be the same thing with with, uh, with uh, marijuana. But So, so I'm, I'm, I'm more nervous about 
what happens, the implications for our kids, because what the Food and Drug Administration and what the medical professionals will tell you is it's all about dosage and quality. If, if we're going to sell the product, it can't be adulterated with other things. Mm. You know, people used to, in the old days, when they would, would sell marijuana, they'd spray it with PCP. Mm. Uh, and that that would would give people a sensation, but PCP is a very dangerous... Addictive topic. as well, right? Absolutely. So right. all of those things have to be taken into consideration. So let's take the very big step right. of, uh, of legalization for medical purposes and decriminalization. And then see where the research goes in a year or two, and then take another step if it's warranted. Uh, and I think politically, Indiana, in Indiana, we can get the first step done. Um, but I don't think the uh, legislature uh, and the public are really ready, most of the public. For the second step. It, it's amazing. In business, you know, anytime you have a new initiative, you have this crawl, walk, run. Yeah. Right? You just don't come out the gate with a new policy and just start running, right? You test it out first, so it sounds like that's your plan as yeah, it uh, requires. Now, that makes a lot of sense. Um, w- moving on, I think another uh, huge issue in the state of Indiana it's just our education. Yes. I think uh, here locally, our IPS schools, um, you know, they aren't performing up to, to par. I think there was a change in the superintendent here, here soon. Uh, I'm here recently. Um, but w- what are some of your thoughts and ideas around public education that we can improve in that area? Well, we've had, uh, and again, of course, I'm in a political campaign here, so I will say it that we've had the Republican leadership in the Indiana governor's office now for almost 16 years. And in that period of time, we've gone to the bottom. In terms of how we pay our teachers in the state of Indiana, mm-hmm. we used to be in the top tier. And now we're at the absolute bottom, and, and that means that uh, teachers are leaving uh, the state of Indiana to go to neighboring states. Teachers are leaving the profession altogether. There are there are, last I looked, 980 teacher vacancies in Indiana because the superintendents can't find people to hire to take the, those jobs. So 980. 980. Wow. Vacancies in the state of Indiana uh, today, and then. Ball State used to produce a, a big chunk of the teachers in the state of Indiana. Their enrollment for teaching has gone down about 40%. So all of these are very bad signs. And our current governor and the previous governor and the previous governor, they, they, they caused these problems and they're not fixing these problems. Mm. So uh, it's very hard to go out there and find teachers that are happy with what's going on today. Public education is the future of our state. Uh, 93% of our kids are, are in public education, but we've created all these alternatives that are draining funds from public education. You know, there's some really good charter schools out there, but there's some really bad ones as well. Wow. And those bad ones have stolen the money. And I said, yes, stolen the money because there's criminal investigations underway on the Indiana virtual schools. Nobody was paying attention. That system has to, ch- has to change. And as the next governor, I will make sure that it changes. And then uh, there's these voucher programs, uh, Gary, that take public money and divert them to private schools. Uh, And I just don't think that's the way we ought to go. I mean, if you want to put your child into a private school, I think that is your right. But you ought to pay for it. I ought not to have our, and your tax dollars and my tax dollars ought not to go to get your kid into a private school. That's your responsibility. That's why we have a public education system. And so it's time for us to say that out loud to the public in Indiana and change the way we approach this. And and that's what I, I, I will do. And then finally, let me talk about the whole issue with uh, these testing programs. Mm-hmm. The, the I-STEP test, uh, that didn't work. So they renamed it the I-LEARN test. That didn't work. We required everybody to take it. We saw that the res- results weren't very good. And we saw that they didn't have the meaning that in terms of ranking school districts. So then we said, okay, never mind. But we wasted billions and millions of dollars on it. 
And man, and people that own those companies, they did very well. But the teachers are upset because they couldn't teach the way they were trained to teach. All of those things have to get fixed. So this, the, 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 the state of Indiana has changed the law so that this governor, who was elected in November, uh, will make the decision as to who the new superintendent of public instruction will be for the state of Indiana, the education leader. Wow. Prior to now, it was an elected position. Now it's an appointed position. So I will have the very important and awesome responsibility of finding the best person I can in the country uh, to, to, to do that kind of a, of a job. And so uh, I'm going to be looking... Uh, uh, for the, uh, uh, if you think of it offensively, I'll be looking for the Peyton Manning right, right, right. position. And defensively, I'll be looking for the Gary. Hey, that's it, uh, man. That team brought championships, man. Absolutely. That's what we're looking for. And that's what I, you know, I, I tell people all the time. This is like applying to be the next coach of the state right. of Indiana. Right, no question. In, Indiana is down in the standings. Any team that's down in the standings, uh, and you and you give the coach a chance, and that, like I said, there's been 16 years of Republican coaches, and we haven't improved. Uh, it's time to change coaches, and so I'm applying to be the next coach uh, for the state of Indiana. Uh, it's a, been a 14 month uh, interview process. Yeah, no question. 48 days of the interview left, and the public vote. So and the public decides. That's that's awesome. So specifically, let's get into like how would you recruit, and how would you, um, you know increase those numbers of, of individuals wanting to be teachers? Like, what, what would be the plan specifically to get, to get that First done? thing you do is get the salaries up. Mm. Uh, the salaries are going to be very important. I've met people on the campaign trail that have said, Dr. Martin, please don't think ill of me, but I had to stop my Indiana job and go to Kentucky mm. because I need, my family needed more money. Uh, and I said, no, I don't feel, think ill of you. I think ill of our, our state of not providing the kind of salary that you needed to, to be able to stay in Indiana. So we've got to get the salaries up. And that in and of itself will make teaching more attractive to people. And then I have to think you have to get the legislature out of the day-to-day operations of teaching. Right. You, you shouldn't be teaching to the test. You should be teaching to the student. Uh, you should be using your training to figure out what does each student need individually in order to succeed. And that's right. what teachers love to do. Uh, they are very good at looking out in, the, in their classroom and seeing that, that, that Johnny over here used to be all enthusiastic and now Johnny's not doing well. Something's going on with Johnny. I got to get over there and figure out, right. get some help if Johnny's having problems at home. That's what we want our teachers to, to do, to, to find uh, the best way for each of our kids to learn. And I do believe math and science are are very important, uh, and they they have to be emphasized. But that doesn't mean that we don't teach art and music. Uh, And, and of course, phys ed is very important to our kids as well. We have way too much obesity uh, in 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 our children, and that has to be a part of the next governor's agenda, making sure that all the bases, so to speak, are covered. Uh, and that's what I really want to do uh, to help our state. Now, that's amazing. I think one of the long-term effects of our public education system is poverty. I think, you know, you look at the neighborhoods, there's no secret that a lot of the neighborhoods that have the worst IPS schools also are have the highest African-American communities. So as it pertains to African-Americans and education and just opportunities, yeah. I think— um, we look at a lot of the crime around the state, and I think, in my opinion, it's, it's the fact, the hopelessness. Like, so those those kids who had to drop out of school, those teenagers that are no longer in school, what kind of programs can be done for those individuals individuals to get them on track and get them back to be, you know, um, you know, good Hoosiers that are actually providing some type of, of, of tax revenue? And that's it. The, the people that are gainfully employed, 
uh, are happier, people that are gainfully employed are providing their tax dollars to the state so that mm -hmm. they can help. Uh, so we want people to be gainfully employed in a profession or a job that they uh, want to get up and go to every single day. Right. Part of the problem, though, is that too many Hoosiers kids, once they get out of high school, if they get out of high school, uh, don't get the additional training that you need today in order right. to take the jobs for tomorrow. When, when, when I was getting out of high school, all you really needed was a strong back. Right. Uh, if you went down to the foundry or to the factory, they saw you had a strong back. They would put you to work. No question. Now you've got to have a strong brain mm -hmm. uh, because uh, the foundry uses computers and robots to get most of its work done today. And they want people that can operate those computers and, the, and those robots. And that means that you need additional training after high school. We need to make computer training, by the way, universal anyway. We right. need to make it such that starting from K, K one, two, three, all the way up through 12, that it's integrated into everyday teaching. And, and, and that's just got the, the, the need for this century right. uh, that we, we've got to change our, our thinking about that. But more importantly, we've got to get kids who are in a position to take the jobs of tomorrow. Because if they are, then that decreases unemployment, especially in the African-American uh, community. Uh, and, and so that's for the next generation. But what about the folks that are there today, and the, especially the folks that have had difficulties that uh, have caused them to uh, be arrested, uh, uh, jailed, incarcerated, uh, and then uh, and and then they get out because ninety seven, ninety eight percent of people who go to jail, prison, get out, uh, and they come back into society. Uh, what what do we do for, with them and for them? I think. Uh, in a Myers administration, uh, I, I like to say we're going to put the correct back into corrections. Mm. Uh, on day one, uh, once you get uh, your, your assigned a, a, a facility, if you're adjudicated and the judge and the jury finds you guilty, uh, you're going to go to prison, you're going to go to jail. On the day one, we're going to make sure that we have a plan that we start to put in place for you wow. so that you don't ever come back. And I believe very strongly that recidivism has got to be... <coughs> Yeah. Reducing it down to zero. Yeah. And the way you do that is you give people opportunity in prison and jail to learn new things, understand what happened, why their lives went in the direction that it did, and how they're going to prevent that from ever happening again. What One of the key aspects, and I, and I say this from... Uh, 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 from the fact that I used to be the CEO of a company that did healthcare wow. in many prisons and jails. One of the things that you learned is that so many people that are jailed uh, have problems that are related to mental health, uh, problems that are related to substance use, uh, and that while you're in prison and jail, that's the time to address those problems. No question. behind the person. And there are many, there's not just one answer, there's not just one solution. There are many, some are involved medication, some don't. Some involve behavioral health counseling, most of them do. So all of that has to be a part of uh, what happens in prison uh, and in jail so that when people get out, uh, they get another chance. And then when they do get out, we have to make sure that we don't discriminate against those people inappropriately. Right. Uh, and that, that there are many jobs that they could do that we want to give them a chance to do. And I want to provide incentives for private companies to hire those individuals because uh, giving them a, a, a good job, letting them succeed in that job, uh, makes it so that uh, the state reduces the number of times it has to care for that individual uh, while they are in prison. So that's just one of the things that I would do for folks in that category. But but the, the vast majority of people out there uh, uh, want to do better for their families every single day. We have to change our economy so that the kind of jobs that will allow that 
right. coming to our state. Um, manufacturing jobs in the advanced manufacturing field, biomedical tech jobs. Uh, those are the jobs, uh, Gary, that have the most attractive salaries. Right. Uh, so if we can get the kids trained up and get them through through advanced uh, training uh, a couple years or college, uh, they can begin to take those jobs, and we can get those companies to come to uh, come to the state of Indiana. Uh, anybody who's in retail will tell you, and you were in retail for, for a long period of time, will tell you that your best customer is the one you already have. No, no question. And, and keeping that, so I want to go to the companies that are already here in Indiana and say, all right, what do we, what do we need to do to help you mm-hmm. to grow your business in our state and increase the number of folks that you employ in your business in our state? Uh, previous governors, especially in the last uh, uh, 16 years, have spent a lot of time traveling to Taiwan and China and Japan. And you know, it's okay for those companies to come to Indiana that they want to set up shop. But I think that we ought to prioritize the companies that are already here. Right. Uh, so in a Myers administration, that's what we'll do. We'll we'll be looking very carefully at at the people that have established businesses here, where they've got a good footprint, a good track record and figure out what we ought to be doing to grow their roles in the state. And that it's in manufacturing, and that's in service industry, as well as in agriculture. Right. Uh, Indiana's still a huge agriculture. Nah, state. huge. And especially with some of the, the big companies that are, that are in town, right? The Dara Agrosciences. Yeah. I think it's not, not it's brought, so I think it's named something different now. Um, but yeah, a lot of huge companies in agriculture. Um, so talking about those same individuals, I feel like, they're typically the voters that are like indifferent. No matter who I vote for, you know, Republican, Democrat, it doesn't make a difference in my life. So what would you tell those people, those individuals that, that doesn't think their vote like matters? And how, how could you encourage them to like use their most powerful, you know, thing in their possession is their right to vote? What, what, how would you encourage them to vote and why this, this area in particular is extremely important in terms of who gets elected as our next uh, governor. Well, I I would say to them, look, uh, uh, I am doing this for reasons that will not benefit me directly, but could benefit you and your families and your kids and and your grandkids. Uh, And that if you think things are going really well for you right now, uh, then don't vote. Uh, if you think things aren't going as well as you want them to and you want to change them, vote. All right. uh, and so you've got to answer that question. If, if you don't exercise the right to vote, then you shouldn't complain uh, about what happens. Yeah. Because, so you didn't get out there and take a very simple step. Uh, and by simple step, I mean it doesn't take you that long if you get in line it's on a good day. Uh, that, now, problem, of course is that uh, COVID-19 has slowed things down in some uh, states, including Indiana. And so I would encourage absentee ballot voting. In Indiana, that means you have to get registered right now uh, so that you can get an absentee ballot and get that ballot in in October uh, so that uh, it'll count in November because the election's on November 3rd. I, I typically vote early. I've, I've always had huge success. You know, I, I think the polls open a week or two early. Mm-hmm. I think finding the time and dedicating the time and space to go early, then you're you're not waiting to the last minute. Oh, man, I got to vote. You got to wait in the line. So if you either absentee ballot or vote early, your chances of being counted is definitely a lot higher. That's exactly right. And uh, and it's easier to do it that way. You're not rushed. Uh, yeah. You don't have to worry about the, what the weather's going to be or anything like that. I, get, I absolutely encourage people to vote early and or do, use an absentee ballot. Uh, that's the way to go, especially uh, especially this year. And it's not just 
my race for governor, uh, Gary, it's uh, we got to change what's going on in Washington, D.C. as well. Mm. Uh, anybody that turns on the TV or, or looks on their phone every day, you'll see that the guy that this country put in that office, even though he did not win the popular vote, the guy that this country put in that office has a miserable failure. Right. Uh, he's hurting our country every single day. He's hurting our state every single day. He's making bad decisions. Uh, just, uh, excuse me, yesterday, uh, the uh, Center for Disease Control director was testifying in Congress uh, and actually told the truth from my perspective about the fact that uh, we get a vaccine, it's going to take six to nine months uh, to get it distributed around the country and get that done correctly. And the president gets up an hour later uh, and the White House has said that the CDC director is wrong, uh, that he's lying. I mean, come on, you know, I, Donald Trump, when did you get a medical degree? I don't remember that right. being part of your resume. And you're going to get up in front of the nation and call the guy that you hired for that job a liar? And you've lied from the beginning and have admitted that you have lied from the beginning about this pandemic. It, he just adds insult to injury. I mean, it's just on and on and on. And I know America is tired of it. Right. We are all tired of this. Make this go away. Yeah. Uh, and so I tell everybody who's thinking, oh, I'm not going to vote. Yeah, you are. I mean, if I have to get oh, you better. Drive, you better. Right? Yeah, yeah, no question. We know that we've just got to make some changes in Washington. we got to make some changes in Indiana. And and my opponent is his campaign chairman in Indiana, so you know what his policies are. Right. Uh, you know, it's, I, and, and his former boss is the vice president of the United States, so you know what his policies are. It's time for Indiana to have a change. Man, that's amazing. I hope you were able to take some valuable insights from this week's chat. Feel free to reach out to me on social media with clues you gain or questions you need answers to. You can find my pages at GaryBracket.com. Remember, it is up to you to make the most out of your opportunities to reach success. Personally, I live this life with an abundance mindset. And deep down, I hope we all make it.